Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Student Perspectives, the podcast where we talk with student pharmacists about their unique challenges and opportunities presented throughout their professional journey. My name is Melinda Lee, and today, instead of speaking with pharmacy students, we'll be chatting with a medical resident and a medical students on their experiences working with pharmacists and pharmacy students. So first of all, welcome Dr. Benavitz, resident physician of family medicine at University of Michigan, and the future Dr. Duyang Din, fourth year medical student at University of Michigan. And we're going to talk about your experiences on a team as a medical resident and student and learn more about your perspectives working in a team with pharmacy. And before we begin, I like to start with saying that I met both of you on rotation as a pharmacy student at University of Michigan just a few months ago. So thank you so much both for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So we'll start with our first question. So tell me about yourself. Where are you from and uh, what area of medicine do you work in? Thanks, David. And thanks, uh, Melinda, for having us. So again, my name is Duyang. I'm a fourth year at Michigan. I was actually born and raised in Maryland. My parents had immigrated over in the early 90s and just stayed there ever since. I immigrated from Vietnam. And I decided to come to Michigan because I heard a lot about, you know, Midwest hospitality. Everyone here is just so much nicer than on the East Coast, uh, in my opinion. hope I don't get flagged for that somewhere. And, you know, I was fortunate to have found my passion on my journey here in obstetrics and gynecology. And I'm applying the cycle. Fortunately, I met Melinda on my sub-eye there, and we'll talk a, little, a bit about that later. Thank you, DeYoung. Dave, would you like to go next? Yeah, sure. I uh, am also not from this area. I grew up in Miami Beach, Florida, to immigrant parents. My uh, family is Latino and uh, Italian as well, so I, got, I grew up in a household with a ton of different languages. Went to medical school a little bit later in life. I, I was not a traditional um, applicant, to say the least, but Decided to become a doctor, went to Michigan State in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Love Michigan. I, I think it's a great place and really fell in love with the University of Michigan's medical hospital and program and team and family medicine. So I decided to apply to residency here and then chose to stay here. And yep, I'm a, a graduate in 2019, a medical resident. I also met Melinda in uh, one of our rotations. I don't remember if it was pediatrics or we, we kind of go everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it was pediatrics. <laughs> so, very grateful to to work with the pharmacy team for sure, especially Melinda. She's fantastic. Oh, so thank happy you. to be here. Thank you. So, you know, a lot of pharmacy students don't really, you know, know what goes on behind the scenes. So, would you guys be able to share a little bit about what it's like as a medical student or a medical resident on rotations? Since we start with Do Young before, let's start with David. Yeah. So, you know, residency is kind of like you. You ha- you become you, you already went to medical school, but you still have your training wheels in some sense. So we make a lot of medical decisions, but we also have the supervision of an attending physician and kind of just go over our plans, make sure that there's nothing we're missing. So a lot of it is a lot of work. We, we practice a lot of medicine, often uh, patients, uh, just regardless as medical providers, regardless of whether or not we're residents or not. And yeah, it's, it's a lot of work, though. Depending on the residency program that you're in, you may be doing multiple rotations in different areas. So if Young is doing obstetrics and gynecology, he's going to do a lot of surgery, but then he'll also have uh, months where he's on labor and delivery, et cetera, et cetera. For family medicine, 
I just got off a month of labor and delivery. Um, my next rotation uh, is health systems management and pediatrics. And so I'm kind of everywhere and I get to know every pharmacy student. Uh, <laughs> they're <laughs> rotating everywhere. That's amazing. So, um, yeah. Awesome. What about you, Diang? How is it like as a medical student? Yeah, so I'd say as a medical student, I feel like regardless of the facade that we put on, we, in terms of our confidence inside the hospital, we usually don't know what we're doing. You can imagine like being in the classroom for the first year or two and studying all these things, thinking that you know everything. And then as soon as you're put in the hospital, you're like, wow, I everything's blank. I don't really know what I'm doing. And this is a real life person that like, I'm not even necessarily like taking care of directly, but I'm like trying to learn from them. And I think that more specifically, it can be really confusing because we traverse through like eight core rotations here in Michigan um, and then have a lot of elective time. So there's a lot of changes, not too different from residency, but different in the sense that there's just a broader scope of medicine to learn from. And so there's a lot of adaptation to the scope of the service, to the members of the team, expectations of your senior chief resident, and then even every attending have their minutiae that, that change your everyday life. So we act confident, but more likely than not, we're just as confused uh, as most others. <laughs> and I, I have to echo that. As a pharmacy student, we also go through the same things, you know. Yeah, very similar. We, we rotate in different areas, and um, a lot of it is kind of figuring out, you know, what we can do to help. So when you're on rotation, what are some of your hopes and what are some of your fears, Diang? Yeah, I mean, I, I had to think a lot about this question because, you know, the first things that come to mind are often fears, but I, I'll start off with hope. You know, I, I think superficially as, you know, any student, any grad program or undergrad, we, we look for good grades and evaluations that kind of show that we are putting in the work and kind of, you know, somewhat validate our existence, to be honest. Um, and then, you know, when thinking about it more in a more thoughtful process, we're also trying to garner the skills and knowledge to, to help us get into the next phase of our clinical training. You know, one of the quotes that I remember from my vascular surgery rotation, my chief resident told me that I should always try to emulate what I'm trying to become next in my next phase of training. So mm -hmm. as a clinical student, um, I'm trying to become a resident. And as David, you know, as a resident, he's trying to become a physician. And so we're just always looking to that next part and trying to, to gain that much responsibility in each part of the process. And in terms of peers, you, since you don't have direct patient care, you just try to not mess up. Like, you, I think part of the whole facade is like you try to act confident and try to know everything. But that's also like kind of our greatest downfall because we're afraid of being wrong. But also in the medical process, as I'm sure you uh, can understand, Melinda, like we, we just have to learn from our mistakes as well. And that's just like part of the journey. Mm -hmm. so. As a student, I definitely relate to that. What about you, David? Yeah, so um, I, it's funny. I echo a lot of the things because I wasn't a medical student too long. I was just a medical student not too long ago. You know, it's, it's true. I think everything you said, it, you know. A lot of what medical residents experience, and I think something that I'm not sure pharmacy students do, but definitely medical students, we, we experience something called imposter syndrome, where we basically, we take on a lot of responsibility and, and we're handling very complex issues. And sometimes really it's, it's, it's your medical decision-making. And, and also I feel that medical students also play a huge role in that too, on the team to, to be able to really make a difference in somebody's life. And, and so 
I, I think the biggest hope is that we do it right. And the good news is, is that when you have the experience of multiple people on the team, including your attending, who's um, usually kind of leading final plan, you're able to make a good outcome for the patient. That really is what's most important. Evaluations and residency, those types of things uh, matter a little. They matter, but they matter a little bit less. At the end, um, you really start seeing yourself as a provider of, of healthcare and, and, and those things kind of pivot more. As a medical student, I remember it was the biggest thing is really you have even more imposter syndrome where you're just like, I don't want to mess up. <laughs> um, uh, you you kind of get a lot of that still in, in residency too, though. I, I'm not going to lie. It's a, it's a big thing. The hopes, again, are to, uh, to be able to provide great care. That's, that's the bottom line. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's really interesting to hear. You know, it's something also that in pharmacy school, they kind of talk about in terms of imposter syndrome, seems to be an issue that kind of just permeates throughout all of healthcare, where everyone wants to do their best, but they're also kind of nervous that like, you know, am I the best that I can be? So it's interesting. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as a pharmacy student, so whenever we head back after rounds, you know, and I'm at my desk, I'm writing up my notes. I imagine medical residents and med students doing some really awesome patient care work. But, you know, when I talk to Dee Young, I come to realize there's, there's a bit of grunt work that you guys do beyond just patient care as well that, you know, other people might not see. I was wondering if you guys might want to share some unglamorous parts about being med students and med residents. Sure, I'll go first. Um, so uh, it, there's a lot of crown work. I think it continues definitely through residency. You know, I, I just finished working two weeks of nights on labor and delivery, and it it really includes staying awake at odd hours of the night. You know, our residency programs uh, in the United States are capped at around 80 hours a week of average max, typically. But it's not uncommon on certain mm. rotations where you may be hitting close to that. So at odd hours of the night. So you really are working a lot, just a lot of hours, a lot of uh, mental uh, fatigue and a lot of paperwork and charting. And it's a lot of work. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, we go into the patient room, but most of what we do is actually in the back room on our own. And, and so it's a lot of just you working in front of a computer. <laughs> yeah. It's, it would make a medical drama, for example, very boring if they actually <laughs> what we actually mainly do. Um, so, um, yeah, it's a yeah. lot of grunt work. It's, it's a lot of just going back and, and chart reviews, for example. Yeah. Finding out what medications the patient took and you have to go through tons of paperwork. It's a lot of stuff. Yeah, I can imagine. And, you know, I, as a pharmacy student, I rely on those charts, you know, and David, you know, you write one of the best, you know, notes and I read them, you know, every morning, the next day, you know, when we had our patients on my PEDS rotation. So it is very much appreciated. I know it's a lot of work, but we love well-written physician notes and med student notes. I read a lot of appreciate notes. that. I actually use a lot of med student notes to guide the general template. So it's, it's a team effort. I, they, they do young and others medical students really play a huge role in sort of pharmacy students. Yeah, I agree. What about you, Diang? What are some grunt works that you do? You know, it's, it's, it's funny you say that. I, I echo a lot of what David said in terms of it being in the team room more than I, I expected coming into medicine. And a lot of it is, you know, when, when patients, because Michigan is such a huge hospital system where there are a lot of transfers outside, we often have to work to, to get the paperwork from the outside places that they were in, peruse them, and then go and talk to them. 
that takes a lot of effort to be conscientious and intentional about like the work we do. And often the medical student is like the first in line of like, oh, like calling people here, just finding like aggregating all the paperwork. And so I do a lot of that in the team room. And then I, I think on the first day of my maternal fetal medicine subinternship that I met Melinda on, I asked my senior resident what her expectations of me was. And the first thing that she said, and I and I don't know why, but she said, you know, the ultrasound machines, whenever we're done using them, they could use a good wipe down, you know, during the pandemic. And <laughs> at first I was like, are you? <laughs> and then at first I was like, I was a little offended. And then I, I thought about it, I was like, well, I guess someone does have to do it. And I guess it's fine that I'm lowest on the totem pole. And, you know, just shifting the framework, yeah. I to do it. But I guess that's what you consider grunt work necessary but something that you have to adapt to and just kind of accept Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah no I hear you that's how I felt when I was on my pharmacy rotation and they told me to count all the number of pills left in the bottle and I was like excuse me and I was like fine I'll do it (laughs) (laughs) I I don't (laughs) I will say this that whole notion I, I mean the whole notion of a totem pole um it shouldn't it shouldn't be the case I I I don't uh, it's hard to say because I was just a medical student, so I understand where you're coming from. So, um, no, I, I've never had a medical student clean the machines or anything like that. I, I would. That shouldn't be happening. I don't think that's. Should be <laughs> yeah, I will say you know. You shouldn't I, have the pharmacy student count yeah. the pills. I mean, I, we should all chip in and do it. I, I yeah. And, and I completely agree with David Ashley, and that's why, like, I think there's such kind a kind of a bizarre. <laughs> there, there's such a broad way of array of people in medicine, right? And what, what David was alluding to is like, I've, I've had attendings who have wiped down the ultrasound machine too. It takes a person who's, you know, has enough humility to do it as well. But really the, I think the big idea is that like anyone who has the time and remembers to do it should do it. But, you know, if mm. it's just somehow, you know, with all everything that a resident might have to do, they, you know, they try to get us to do, you know, some of the other things that like we can do, I guess, in a more legal and, you know, clinically efficient perspective to, to mm-hmm. help out. The team. It's good so, to yeah. get, it, it is a good lesson for all of us to be able to clean. I, I always clean the ultrasound machine. Um, it's just part of my process. But um, yesterday, I will give you an example. I had a tech, was it that I do with circumcision? I forgot what it is that we did. And a tech reminded, I oh, know it was a, a uh, pap smear and um, some of the equipment, a, a tech reminded me, hey, the, the equipment needs to be put away in this bucket. And I actually told her, thank you so much for reminding you. Sometimes you need to be reminded. I'm like, mm, mm-hmm, I would never mm-hmm. have, I would have never left it. I, I told her, I'm like, I'm the kind of guy that'll do your dishes. I don't, you know, mm. when, I, when I go to my friend's houses, I, I of course it's, it's common etiquette. Um, right. You should do that. And so I, sometimes you forget when you're kind of on the war taking care of a patient. And, mm-hmm. I'm sorry you went through that. We all have as medical science, I know. Yeah, yeah. So let's pivot. Let's talk about some of your more rewarding moments. What are some of your more uh, rewarding moments when you've been practicing, David? Oh, okay, yeah. A rewarding moment, I remember I got my first, uh, several of them, but I remember as a medical student, uh, as an example, I was on labor and delivery, and about a year later, I remember I was in line, and somebody poked me in the back at Starbucks, and she was holding a baby and it was her husband and they point me and they're like, Hey, did you want to, do you want to see the, the baby you delivered? I'm like, excuse me. I'm like, you remember who I am? 
<laughs> um, and uh, there was this beautiful baby girl, and they let me hold this baby girl. And I remember as a medical student, I delivered. I don't remember this baby particularly, but mm-hmm. um, apparently I, I helped deliver this baby. It's, it's very rewarding when you see good things come out of it. And uh, I had another patient. You have patients randomly just sending you good news and good things. And mm. sometimes uh, patients may pass away and other things may not be as beautiful, but it is nice to have been, have played a meaningful part in helping that transition go on. It's, it's very rewarding every single day. I, I see the fruits of my labor and fruits of my team's labor. And, and I don't know. At yeah. the end, if you see what you're doing and you're doing it for the patient, it's really awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. What about you, DeYoung? You know, I, I have to echo what David says. I mean, I, I think that the little things just matter so much medicine in terms of just moving you forward. Like for me, it's, you know, if I can leave an imprint on a patient's life, like I, I feel like, you know, we will see so many patients over our lifetime that we can't possibly remember everyone by name. And, you know, if a patient I haven't seen for years still remembers my name, I'm shocked by that. Like, that's a little thing, but that means so much. Mm-hmm. I, you know, care for this patient who, and, and the patients who come in and look at me like I'm their primary care provider, even though I'm the medical student, means a lot because that means that I left this, this sort of emotional imprint on them that, mm-hmm. that they can find comfort and care in, regardless of my role. But I think just patients acknowledging that you that you care for them and you provide good care is is what drives us all at the end of the day to to do what we do regardless of those eighty hour work weeks or those uh, totem poles and what whatnot. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think, yeah, a lot of pharmacy students would, you know, for pharmacy students that haven't gone on rotation, sometimes it's hard for them to kind of connect with patients because we don't really have a lot of those experiences. But I definitely echo that too, as a fourth year pharmacy student, once I started rounding and, you know, I think for me, one, one of the more rewarding moments is just being able to help the medical students or the medical residents on the team. And of course, when we talk to patients as well. So it's awesome. So a lot of pharmacy students and myself included, when I first started, you know, we fear interacting with medical residents or attendings or medical students because you guys are placed on such high pedestals. And I think we've also been influenced by TV shows where like we get, you know, we, we are afraid we'll be yelled at for being in the way. So what advice do you have for pharmacy students about this? And we can start with you, DeYoung. Yeah, I, you know, it's so, this topic is something that just... I'm so passionate about it because I really hate the social construct that that doctors are at the top of the pedestal. And I feel like it's been perpetuated over the past hundred years or so. But I, you know, when I came in, I decided to pursue medicine. I was like, I want to do it to help people, not for the glory or the prestige that maybe some of my family members or my culture also per- mm-hmm, help perpetuate. Mm-hmm. And so outside of medicine, I almost never bring up that I'm in medicine because Mm -hmm. I just want people to kind of look at me like I'm human. You know, sometimes when we are so dehumanized in terms of our work hours and in terms of all the stuff that we have to do and all the emotional burden, I just want, you know, a few moments Mm -hmm. of casual human to human interaction. I think that translates well into, you know, into medicine. And so, you know, Melinda and I, when we were on rotation together, I don't know if you you resonate with this, Melinda, but I felt like we were in the background for yeah. the majority of the first week or two. We were just completely silent, just like it's like the adults were talking. We we're at the kids' table, just like yeah, yeah. 
um, it was a little disappointing because like our role in the clinical setting is to be a contribution to the team. And regardless of our education, I felt like we had, we could have said something or should be able to say anything without the fear of rep, uh, being reprimanded. And, you know, as time went on, like Melinda and I, like we took, you know, the initiative to just you know collaborate and like kind of propose plans on mm-hmm. rounds. And I actually don't remember who took the initial initiation, but like we eventually like before rounding on a patient, we would talk to each other, hey, like, oh, do you want to, like, increase yeah. discipline? Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this? And, and, you know, Melinda and I got so close where we texted each other. And, mm-hmm. you know, later in the day, and we were like, oh, how are you doing? Like, what are your thoughts on starting this medication on this patient, like, in terms of her condition? And, you know, I totally respect that Melinda has, you know, much greater pharmaceutical knowledge than I do that I, like, trust her with, you know, with that consult- indirect consultation. And so I think that just having the being thoughtful and mindful about uh, and intentional about who who's on your team and how to help each other be integrated on the team is is so important and so I think pharmacy students just like just reach out like I don't think we bite or most of us don't bite I mean I don't bite but David might I mean we'll, we'll see <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I you know Duyang, you were one of the first medical students that I felt comfortable talking to and that, you know, it felt like, you know, you really wanted to listen to what I had to say. And something my preceptor told me at the beginning of the rotation was that she was like, you know, talk to the medical student because, you know, they know a lot about the diagnosis and the patient status that you don't know as a pharmacy student. And they can rely on you for pharmaceutical, you know, pearls um, and tips. And so I kind of really approached talking to you that way, you know, like I wanted to learn more about the patient. And I knew that, you know, you as a medical student, you know more about the diagnosis and the symptoms and what's going on with the patient. So I, I really enjoyed working with you, Diyoung. And of course, with you as well, David, you know, I, I came to the rotation after working with Diyoung and I was like, you know what, these folks are not that scary. I'm just going to say what I want to say. <laughs> so I- I actually do have a lot to throw on this. You know, this is a, a pharmacy podcast, so it's important, you know, mm-hmm. it's for everybody, mm-hmm. but obviously mm-hmm. a lot of pharmacy um, involvement. I completely disagree with the whole notion that I, I, first of all, I don't see myself, I mean this legitimately and genuinely, I do not at all think I know more than the pharmacist or the pharmacy student. I, I think there's a lot of training that I have that's added, but I, I don't see myself as being on a pedestal is what I mean. I also, mm-hmm. I learn a ton from both the medical student and the pharmacy student. You, when Linda, when you were on rotation, I actually took a lot of what you taught me. And I, I always look at, I always look at you as pharmacy. I don't even say when I'm, when I'm on rounds and I'm talking, I say, I spoke with pharmacy. I don't ever say pharmacy student. I say pharmacy period, because you are representing the team. Mm. You are literally one run rounds. The pharmacy student represents the pharmacy component um, to what we're doing. And so your input is extremely valued. And I learned from you. I I remember uh, on several occasions, I think if I'm not mistaken, it was with a pharmacy student. I believe it was you. I was learning about what to treat patients with uh, prolonged QT syndrome. Uh, They had a prolonged QT. uh, We were giving them Zofran. Mm. Uh, for example, um, mm-hmm. I don't remember if it was that or if there was some pregnancy, but there was a ton of stuff that I learned about medications and alternatives to give. Basically, when I asked, you know, the pharmacy student in the room, hey, what can I do? What else can I do? You know, and these are things that I've actually taken with me on other rotations and I continue to treat patients based on the lessons that I've learned from you guys. Um, 
ton of value. I, you're not, a, yeah. you're not, a, and, and I also, medical students spend more time with patients sometimes than we do because we see so many more. So the medical students have more time in the room. Just to add that to you, Dean, uh, there's a huge uh, component that you add to the team. I think it's a mistake on any residents or attendings end to not listen to what you guys have to say because you play such a pivotal role in providing good care. There's no question about it. I, I do not be intimidated to talk to the resident or the medical student. I was both ever pharmacy students <laughs> because uh, we need your input. We need it. It's not even a matter of we want it. We need it. It's, it's very helpful to have uh, your expertise on our hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, one of the biggest fears I had was, you know, saying the wrong thing or not presenting it in a way that sort of protects, you know, the pharmacy, uh, the medical team's, you know, ego. And so that was a huge component of it. But, you know, part of the reason why I invited the both of you to this podcast, because I felt that you both exemplified, you know, team-based medicine and that you were always both very receptive to hearing what pharmacy had to say. And of course, everything that I said was always run through with my preceptor early in the morning before I, you know, came on round. So it wasn't something that I just kind of like, yeah, you know, I know everything because I absolutely do not. Yeah. So it's, it's nice to hear that, that we are helpful. A lot of pharmacy folks sometimes worry that we might not be helpful or perhaps don't quite know how we can add value. So it's really, you know, I'm sure a lot of the listeners hearing this um, would be very encouraged by it. I think the, the correct word is not just helpful, but essential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it's an essential part of the team, in my opinion. So we need pharmacy. Pharmacy mm-hmm. always looks at anytime we place an order to a patient. Um, just last night, um, three, four in the morning, I was ordering some medications uh, for a patient's diabetes. And um, we left um, an additional, there was an additional medication that should have been taken off of the syst- of system. Um, it's just that series of checks and balances. Pharmacy immediately like that pages me and says, hey, mm-hmm. let's take this off the EMR. Really, it's a critical, essential role to keep us keep the team running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially with so much going on. You know, I think it's difficult to also expect one human being to be able to kind of encapsulate all those responsibilities. It's just not possible. It's a lot. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I want to say that I completely agree with David in the perspective that like pharmacists are essential to the team. I do want to give a real, a, a little realistic perspective because I think that David and I, like we are very intentional and like we firmly believe in like a team-based practice, like you said, Melinda, but medicine itself is a changing culture, right? Like mm-hmm. it, was, mm-hmm. it was previously this hierarchical totem pole culture that is slowly changing with our generation. And I do understand and empathize with the fear that, you know, other parts of the team, social work, pharmacists, like all of them have in terms of speaking up. And I, I'll, I'll allude to the rotation again in which, you know, Melinda, we worked with a very, how do I say, interesting fellow who, um, you know, sometimes, you know, Melinda and I, like Melinda eventually got to the part where she was representing the, the uh, pharmacy team, right? And she was the only one showing up around, which was incredible. I was like, I'm so happy Melinda is getting this opportunity. And so the fellow, like sometimes she would, you know, be very rude to Melinda and it was like, oh, like, where's the real pharmacist or like, like rolling her eyes and being very rude. And so I will say like, there are those characters out there, but um, you know, you don't really know like what attitude a person has until you reach out. So I, you know, this isn't to discourage listeners to, to not talk to the medical team, but really take the mm-hmm. initiative because you never know what 
what the attitude is. And if they have a bad attitude, you can always try to like reach out to administration or something because like this is the toxic culture that we're trying to get out of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think just having that diversity of experiences with different residents, different students does help because, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect profession you know some people are going to be rude regardless which profession they work in and it's not necessarily a reflection of the medical community as a whole yeah with that said you know all of us practice at university of michigan and interdisciplinary work is highly valued there and respected what are your thoughts if your future practice site does not have a clinical pharmacist on the team and this is you know this happens in quite a few um places so what are your thoughts if that's a place that you land in so i guess i i can go I think it's a huge loss. Uh, uh, I, I think it's a huge loss. I think the more uh, team-based approach that we have, the better off we're in. Sometimes I do agree that it's not necessarily feasible, and, and that's really, we have to just accommodate. Part mm-hmm. of the reason why I really enjoy doing family medicine is because we really have to be a jack-of-all-trades and be experts in basically every little field that there is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think that in spite of that, I still think that it's a huge loss to not have a pharmacist on the team. And yeah, I, I, I really can't think of anything uh, better than, than having the team. And then this mm-hmm. includes also social workers, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But anyways, that's, that's my opinion. I, yeah. I think we just have to do with what we can with what the resources we have and it is what it is. I, I will remember an example, uh, and this goes maybe a little bit, a couple of steps beyond, but when I did a, I did a medical mission in uh, Peru, we had a, as a medical student, and we didn't have a pharmacist with us. And I was basically the medical student just distributing medications. Wow. Uh, <laughs> it so was you, were, you had I, a I was, stint. I was trying to, <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I did not have the expertise, but it, it was the best we possibly mm-hmm, could, it was right. all we had. Right, um, right. In those situations, I, I just think that had we had a pharmacist, now we would have been in a better position. But <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, cool. Um, I didn't know you went to Peru. That's really cool. As a, that you went there as a medical student, and I guess you had a stint as a pharmacy person. Now. It was a, it was a stint. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Ziploc bags and um, random drugs that we had on the table to try to help people. <laughs> <laughs> that I, I don't know why, but that sounds terrifying. <laughs> it, is, it is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> what about you, Dion? What do you think? I mean, I I think I might cry, like internally, externally, all the above. Like <laughs> having not have Melinda on the team anymore, I was like, I mean, it's just sad because I, I viewed Melinda like not only as a teammate but also a friend. And fortunately, like I still maintain that months later, but. You know, from a clinical perspective, it is, I I feel like it's a luxury to have um, a pharmacist on the team, not something that's quite integrated everywhere in medicine yet for Mm -hmm. practical reasons, financial reasons. But Mm -hmm. um, I do feel like Michigan medicine spoils me in a lot of ways, you know, having had my education here and not knowing where I'm going to go for residency Mm -hmm. or, you know, and uh, practice at the end of the day and not knowing, you know, how you guys will play a role in my future in that regard. But I do think that it impacts patient care in the sense that it puts the onus on us to have to know the drug-drug interaction, know all of these uh, up-to-date um, pharmaceutical research that you know that you are the expert in, right? And that is the the knowledge base and the strength that you add on the team that is irreplaceable, honestly. And while 
we like there are some institutions that can function without it. It's without a doubt that they could function so much better with pharmacy. Mm, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, and that's very encouraging to hear from the both of you. Yeah, I, I worked in a small community hospital for one of my rotations, and they didn't have like as large of a clinical uh, pharmacy clinical team as we had in University of Michigan. And definitely at first, you know, the physicians were kind of dismissive of you know me rounding with them. But after I, you know, um, provided a couple of recommendations, then they, you know, would start looking out for pharmacy to get advice. So I definitely agree that, you know, it's something that, you know, if you've experienced it before, you you enjoy that sort of teamwork. But if you've not, you probably don't know what you're missing, I suppose. <laughs> uh, we're spoiled at you know, U of M. There's no question. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Man, I love my chart. I used to hate my chart. And then I stopped using my chart. And I was like, I love my chart. Please give me back my chart. <laughs> Great. Well, that is all the time we have today. I want to thank both Dr. Benavids and also the future Dr. Din for joining us today to tell us more about their medical team perspective. You can find them both on Instagram. Dr. Benavids' Instagram handle is at his full name, David Benavids 99 And the future Dr. Din's Instagram handle is DQDin. And you can follow them to follow their medical journey. And if you haven't been before, I encourage you all to check out ASHP student resources. You can find member exclusive offerings such as targeted materials on career transitions for students, information on residency and research tools. Be sure to also check out the Student Connect community where you can exchange ideas with your peers. And thanks again for tuning in for this session of Student Perspectives. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation and be sure to subscribe to the ASHP podcast through your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.